0: This is a uh, another episode of The Artistic Director with Jacob Alexander-Ferg. Today, I'm sitting with Naveen Kashik. Did I get it? Yes. Nice. Okay, I right, agree. Uh, Naveen, tell us a little bit about your uh, background in comedy and what, what you do.
1: I've been an actor in India from theater and film and television for the last 18 years now. I moved to Bombay, which is now called Mumbai, in 2009. And over there, I ran into... Adam Dow, who started the Improv Comedy Mumbai group. With him and some other people, we started the first improv group in India. And uh, before that, I didn't necessarily have a very rigid background in uh, comedy. Like, I had done comedy plays and I I had done some uh, comedic short films. But it's only after I started doing uh, work with the improv group that I got into the whole world of comedy and meeting people who are improvisers or stand up comedians and you know working with them
0: how did you go about finding people in India who were interested in improv because it's my understanding before Adam Dow showed up there really wasn't an improv scene a, a very prevalent improv scene in India so what was that process like of trying or was it was Adam responsible for this or did
1: he come to you he himself is a filmmaker and he had moved to uh, India in 2008, to start working on a documentary film about the fringe characters in Bollywood, like you know the background dancers and the makeup artists oh. and something like that. And while living in Mumbai, because he w- he came from Seattle and he worked with Unexpected Productions here, he realized that there was no improv, and he s- had started missing improv. He got in touch with a company called uh, Theatre Professionals. What they do is they uh, organize workshops for. Theater streams or theater uh, concepts that are not necessarily prevalent in the mainstream teaching of theater in India. So like clowning and uh, body work, Laban and Lecoq and all of these things. He got in touch with them and they organized a workshop with him. The workshop was a success in the sense that there were about 15 people who came for his workshop. It was a week-long workshop. And at the end of the workshop, he had about four or five people who were interested in continuing the practice of the improv uh, teachings. Were you one of them? I wasn't one of them at that time. So there were four or five people who uh, started working, uh, practicing with him. I wasn't initially uh, one of those four or five people because at that time I was shooting for a film. But Adam and I used to go for the same martial arts class. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) And uh, he used to hit me a lot in the martial arts class. And uh, one day I decided to confront him with this. And when I did, he turned out to be a completely different person outside of the martial arts class. He was very nice and he was charming and he was warm. And uh, he told me that he's been, you know, aside from martial arts and filmmaking, he does this thing where people come and, you know, they practice improv. Being an actor, I knew a little bit about what improvisation is, but I didn't know what improv as an art form was at that time. Although I had been a big fan of Whose Line Is It Anyway? Since like I was fifteen years old, and when he told me that you know the the thing that they do on whose line can be learned, practiced, and performed, I was hooked. I started going to his uh, practices. We used to do it in a bar uh, initially uh, before it opened up at seven o'clock. Uh, the bar used to the bar and restaurant used to open at seven, so we used to have the place from four to seven to practice for three hours, oh. almost uh, twice or thrice a week. After that. The way other people joined in was some people got to hear about it, I, I got up to a few people and telling them, I, I told them that, you know, I'm doing this, uh, I spend my time doing this and uh, it's a great place to practice your acting skills. Yeah. At that time, I didn't know if I was going to be like a full-time improviser or not, but I was coming from another city and moving to Mumbai, um, looking for places where you, you can practice your uh, skills as, as, as an actor. And uh, this was an, a unique opportunity in the sense that it was theatrical in some way and it was, you know, getting you on your toes and keeping yes. you on your toes yeah. and stuff like that. So that's how I joined in and that's how a lot of other people started coming in.
0: Yes. And so you're right now, when Adam isn't over in India, yeah. you're. would you say you're the artistic director or the leader? Yes. In
1: his absence, I take over some of the, the, the workshop work. I take up uh, some of the, you know, keeping the company's practices going, making, you know, working with people on different formats or concepts that they want to come up with, how can they go about it, helping them, you know, connect with venues and get their shows rolling and stuff like that. Yeah.
0: All right. So my question, this, the question that this podcast is centered around is, and a very ambiguous question is, uh, what is your artistic direction when it comes to leading
1: or for yourself personally? For me, uh, what I, I like imparting, if that's the right word, to right. people who are doing improv or who have asked me to help them out is to bring in a sense of usage of theatrical skills, theater skills, theater acting skills mm-hmm. like um, presence on stage and how to maintain you know a stage picture or how to better create environment so that the, the empty stage of an improv performance looks full of objects yeah. and people and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Also, a lot of people who work in our company, they're all performers, but they have varying levels of experience. Like, there are some people who've just been doing acting for two years, and that's also after they started doing improv. By, uh, improv inspired them to go and try it out in uh, you know, theater plays or audition for films and uh, television shows. Uh, there are some people like uh, Mukul, who's here with me in um, SFIT who's done it for about 10 years. There are other people who have done, done it for four years, five years, like that. But all of us don't necessarily come from an um, acting school background. So we have things that we've picked up, but we don't have, like, we, we haven't worked with a set curriculum, or mm-hmm. we don't know the lingo, or we, we can't reference all the books that, you know, <laughs> acting students can do. So people have all these ideas and how to channel that into a direction where it looks good on stage. Also to help them explore, um, like I, I, what I love doing is, there are some people, like a lot of people who, in our company, who uh, are very good in portraying emotion. So how to, you know, make them realize that in an improv scene, when you're going in a direction like this, towards an emotional monologue or an emotional situation, how to project it better, portray it better. Like how to create that moment where you can highlight everything that you want to do also because we don't have a lot of uh, improv companies in mumbai that we can look to or look towards for inspiration or guidance we are the only people who do experimental improv work in the yeah. sense oh we we heard about something like this and let's try it out when it comes down to some, you know people um, wanting to try something out So how to direct them in that or what what kind of work should they be doing, what kind of, you know, homework they should be doing for uh, developing a certain concept. So these are the kind of things that I help people with in the company. Also, in our practices, all the the concepts of improv, like yes and and developing crow and uh, context and relationship and emotion and or emotional depth helping uh, the company players to not keep their improv skills on a superficial level mm-hmm. try and go deeper try and be better at it you know the laugh will come if you go deep you know if you work more on your character and stuff like that so those are the kind of things that I've for the last uh, two and a half years that i've been working in the company with
0: yeah so that's because you said there's no one there's no improvised improv company to go to in Mumbai hmm. I would argue that you are probably the, the improviser to go to so yeah. you learn primarily from Adam I'm sure mm-hmm. I mean I'm sure you come to these festivals and you like you're learning a lot yeah, right. got this is amazing right yeah. when people reach out to you in Mumbai is there a way that you just let them come into the group or is there a process of getting into improv comedy in Mumbai is, <laughs> it, is it a performing ensemble or is it a collective of people that come together
1: We've, until we started an educational program where we started training people with a more focused curriculum, before that it was basically anyone who had time to come and rehearse with us could, you know, start performing, like for example, I I never took Adam's workshop, I never went through his educational program, but I came in and I, you know, dedicated myself to rehearsing with him, with other people who were, you know, interested in improv. Three times a week, and we did that for like seven, eight months, non-stop, before we had our first performance. And even after the performance, where uh, we got a very warm reception from you know friends and family and audiences that Mm -hmm. came and paid you know ticket, uh, money to watch us, we still had this thirst that we you know we can do it better because our first few shows, yes, you know all the concepts, but when you uh, having the concepts in your head and then going on stage and performing for an audience that has paid money is a whole different ballgame oh, yeah. And really? we were always like ah, I don't know what's <laughs> going on I'm supposed to yes, Ed, but I can't yeah. So, so um, after that we kept practicing, 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 practicing uh, it took us about I think about 2 years before we expanded beyond the initial 8 people that were there And that was also because there were people who were regularly coming for our shows ...who would always be asking about, are you doing a weekend workshop? Are you doing a one-day workshop? Ah, uh, okay. Oh, you're not doing that? Then let us just come and, you know, sit in your practices and we'll sit in the back and we'll just watch. If, you know, there are, there is an opportunity for us to get up on stage, you know, and practice something, we'll do that. So, those people, like, without ha- even getting a chance to practice improv... ...because we would be working on our things and all that, they would be sitting in the back just watching us sometimes someone would run out and get some food, someone you know, would make coffee or tea. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know they kind of became a practice audience, a four person nice. audience sitting there and we'll be like, okay, we'll perform for them. Because I believe you can know everything about improv, but unless there is feedback from the audience in the response, you, can't, you can never tell if what you're doing is working or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So for us, that became a really good testing ground in the sense, like, we had a four-person, five-person audience show uh, thrice a week. Yeah, that's... You know what I mean? Yeah, yes, yeah. So, we would be, like, doing three shows a week for four to five people. and
0: You had at least some sort of feedback. Yes, Some yes. Okay, this was working. Yeah. This is, and you have people that can give you, like, direct local feedback because yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah. watching you and yeah, they exactly, understand it. Exactly. And
1: they're responding to things that... And because of uh, their response to the things that uh, we did, we all kind of found our... It's the wrong word, we found our comfort zone. But we found our uh, unique improv types. Like for example, there was this girl, Kaniz, who used to work with us. Mm. Um, she she played the awkward female characters very well, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Because I come from a theatrical background, I would not do a lot of these Im- high uh, high status or high energy emotional moments mm-hmm. or uh, there was this guy Neil who used to work with us who's now become a film star which is oh. a great <laughs> um, thing for us he, he had a background in clowning so he incorporated clowning into his uh, improvisational workshop there's a guy Dalen who used, still works with our company he's very sharp about you know genre references yeah. so mm-hmm. he used to bring in those genre references whenever he could there was a guy Sean who uh, was really good at singing. So he would always jump in and start singing songs whenever he could get the opportunity. Mm -hmm. So we all developed our little, you know, okay, I'm I'm better at this than this, and this other person's better at that than what I do. So we had a nice mix of things that we could do, and we we found, discovered those things, and then were able to work with each other in regards to who has to do what. Or If there was a song game, then we always know Sean Sean. has to go. (laughs) If there was a genre game, like we have this thing called Time Styles, I think, you call them or directed scenes and stuff like that yeah okay yes yeah. Yeah. so we'd throw Dalen in, uh, into that or if there was like a game called Emotional List, it would be me yep. jumping in yeah. so so we always found we found a little nooks and crannies and you know the, the little improv that we did and started developing it from there because now we knew what was working for us Instead of having all these practices and then going in front of a two, you know, 200 people audience and then wondering what the hell are we doing here. Yeah, that's, uh, so it's a lot different yeah. when you're rehearsing versus yeah, 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 when you get yeah, on stage. Yeah, yeah.
0: So Adam came over in 2008, yes. correct? Have you observed and y- you were involved, wh- when did you start getting involved? He started,
1: he conducted his first workshop in 2009, I think 2009 September and i got involved with the practices in 2009 november
0: so how have you seen the improv stylings and community evolve over the time like to this point point? and uh, what sort of evolution have you observed because you you were sort of there from the beginning yeah, yeah, yeah. so if, i'm very <coughs> curious about how it's introduced to this community and now where we get to develop like you you said you started doing games but yeah. now I just saw you do Improvised Bollywood, yeah. which is very far removed from just short doing form, some yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so have you noticed an evolution over the th- over there's
1: time? Been a, there's been a very remarkable evolution in the sense uh, that when we started, uh, we were the only performing company, and we were doing mostly short form because you know that's the easiest yeah. to understand, it's get into, and yeah. you, know, you have the challenges, and it's fun to see people mess up, mm-hmm. make mistakes and stuff. But for about... I think for about... Till 2013, we, we were, we would oscillate, in membership, we would oscillate between 6 to about 15. Okay. Like, there would be people who would come in and then go away, or like, sometimes, like myself, I would get busy with a, you know, film project or a television project, and then, until I finished that, I just didn't have the kind of time to, you know, come and dedicate and practice thrice a week. So then there would be someone else who would step in for me mm-hmm. in those times. And also because of the lack of performance venues for us a lot of people would feel disheartened that they've come for practices and they've come for you know the things but they're not getting a chance to get on stage so they would go away but then they loved improv so they would keep coming back (laughs) Um, and also uh, in the last seven years comedy as a live entertainment option has really picked up like it's like right now it's the, the the number of uh, comedy nights and the number of stand-up and improv nights happening in M- mumbai all across other cities in india they're increasing it's overtaken theater already oh wow yeah, yeah. the only thing i think that stands in our way as complete dominance is dj nights and <laughs> yeah you know,
0: stuff like that because that's or, the goal the yeah, goal is complete yeah. dominance like, like if
1: you can fill a stadium and you know just be doing improv over there that's a dream uh that's uh, yeah. something that we. I mean, we still can't compete with it, but we're hoping to. There's yeah, a dream. So uh, that has increased. Uh, there is uh, uh, Indians. I have felt that unless they're in a very comfortable and um, understandable setting, you know, where they they know the people around. They're a little apprehensive about laughing at things. That's something that we've also discovered in our show is that sometimes improv does go into the absurd. Sometimes improv does go into the awkward. Sometimes improv does go into the politically incorrect And over there, the audiences get afraid of, you know, expressing whatever is inside Like they, they feel af- afraid of laughing mm-hmm. uh, And it's taken us some time to train improv audiences that it's okay to laugh It doesn't mean that you're bad yeah. And it doesn't mean that you're making fun of it It just happened to be that moment And it came out And it's also taught us to look at things in a manner where look at things from a dis- different perspective also it's been a, a learning experience for us as well so now that the audiences are a little more educated about what improv is they're, we're seeing them a little more interactive with us in the okay, shows good, yeah. uh, initially it was really hard to get a suggestion from the audience now when we do a show people want their suggestion mm-hmm. they, they, because in a manner when you pick their suggestion they're kind of like on stage with you yeah. Yes. You know? Exactly. So they're more interested in coming on. Like uh, it was always very hard to have people come in for games like family dinner or pillars or you know moving bodies. Uh, we, we really had to you know like encourage the them to come on. Yeah. Now like if you ask someone like, would you like to join up and stay? hand <laughs> <I laughs> shoots yeah. up and like, That's, okay, great. Uh, half our half hour job is done. So that uh, has developed, and also uh, after um, we started the educational program, there were a lot more people interested in learning we over the over the last four years i think we now have a student base of people that we know who've learned improv about 200 people okay so we can always like you know call them or they keep coming back to watch our shows or if someone decides to do hey i'm going to do this thing with four more people and uh, can you come and you know guide us a little bit so we go there now because there are people in the audience who have done improv or you know studied improv or learned improv even if for a, like a weekend course when we do something they have a deeper understanding of what is yes, going on yeah. for example like end of 2015 we started doing uh, long form shows and one of the feedbacks we constantly got was this is scripted it's not improvised which for us was a very confusing um, statement because we were happy yeah. that they thought it was scripted yeah, that means we, our skills were good
0: it's a compliment. Yeah, yeah it's a
1: compliment but then they if they don't know it's improvised then they'll feel cheated in I some way. so we did not know what, like how to deal with this compliment right yes um like i've been talking to people here at the sfit festival and uh, back here uh, in the vancouver festival of how do you deal with you know uh, one of these compliments and uh, most people have like, said that it doesn't really matter what they think or not. If they were laughing when it was happening, or they were enjoying the moment, or uh, you got an emotional response from them, that's it. Whether they think it's scripted or not, if they think it's scripted, it's a great compliment. If yeah. they think it's improvised, it's even a better compliment. It's improvised and looks scripted, it's a better compliment. Yes, yeah. So, you know, that way.
0: I, I want to revisit something because yeah. I'm really curious about this. So you said the audience was almost afraid to laugh when you started doing shows Hmm, hmm. Do you know why that is?
1: I I think it's more of a I think it's a cultural thing in India in the sense we as Indians have a lot of things that are geared around respect Yes Respect the elders Respect someone who's more learned than you Respect someone who has more experience than you Which is important Which is important and we have these traditional Or uh, ritualistic constraints With mm-hmm. regards to how do you express that uh, respect mm-hmm. And one of them is that You do not laugh out loud In the company of other people yeah. you, you can you know, laugh out loud with your, your family You can laugh out loud with your friends But if you are in a public setting Or in a public gathering Laughing out loud in on something is kind of disrespectful So that is there but that's yeah. changing now
0: yes yeah
1: there's so much stand-up <laughs> happening there's so much improv happening yeah, it's but hard not to we yeah it's not to i mean it's it's uh, for us also it was a great learning uh, experience was that when people didn't laugh out loud we, we would push ourselves to okay all right yeah i did that uh they didn't laugh out loud okay i'll do it more next time yeah Let's see how far we can push them before we actually make them burst out and yeah, laughter. it's a challenge. It's a challenge. It's a, it's a, it's, a, it's and it's a very unique challenge in the sense there's no, <laughs> yeah. there's no meter. No one can tell you how to do it. It's yeah. just about you constantly pushing or pushing or pushing. And uh, when it does happen, I think more more than for us, it's it's a liberating experience for the audience because. All countries are going through their own You know, sets of challenges exactly. And India has its own set of Rubbish and trauma And, uh, you know, problems That we're dealing with And uh, I am of the belief And I know a lot of people in my company Are of the belief is that The only way to stand up against a Suppressive authority Or the only way to stand, you know Fight against uh, suppression or oppression Is comedy yeah. As long as you can laugh at it yeah, you know, yeah,
0: it takes away. It the takes power. away.
1: It takes away the fear. Yeah. Laughter is the only thing that takes away the fear. For it's, example, you know, if you're, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If you're, if you're in a um, scary house, or you, you know, if you're watching a really scary movie, what is the first thing that happens to you when you have that, you know, scared moment? Yeah. You know, you laugh. You laugh. You laugh at, you it. Laugh yeah. at it because yeah. you, that's the only thing that dissipates the the, the tension in you, that dissipates the, uh, the fear mm-hmm. in you, and that is what is right now being aggressively used in India Hmm. to fight any kind of suppression or oppression by certain establishments or certain, you know, political figures. It's it's, uh, now comedy in the last three years uh, is getting its backlash in the sense that people have started noticing that, oh my God, this is being used, you know, to fight us. And And it's effective. and, And it's effective and people are, you know, following it and are interested in using that. So yeah. now that that way comedy is you know being has has is feeling the pushback yeah. from all these uh, powers. Can
0: yeah. you speak a little bit more like towards the like h- how has the pushback affected the co- the comedy community at large or more specifically the improv community um, <coughs> in in India?
1: For us because I think at the last count there were about 600 or 630 stand up comedians all across India. Okay. But there are about 4 to 6 seven improv companies. So we haven't gotten onto that, you know, larger national platform where something that we have done has led to, a uh, you know, a major uh, pushback from mm-hmm. people. But uh, stand-up comedy has done that in some ways. Yes. And uh, because of that, we as an improv company come under the comedy banner. Uh, a lot of people in India, especially the authorities, don't realize that... Stand-up comedy and improv comedy or sketch comedy or clowning. They're all forms of comedy, but they're not the same thing. Yeah. So when someone says we're doing a comedy event, they're like, oh, you're going to be, you know, saying stuff. Send us your scripts. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we're yeah. doing improv. There are yeah. no scripts. They can't grasp their head. They're, for them, it's like, how can you do a show without a script? So having to, you know, deal with censors who constantly ask us for what are you doing? What are you going to be saying on stage? Or... Um, Recently, there was a venue that was, you know, supportive of a lot of uh, live acts that supported us for a good two years without a, you know, a, a big demand of, you know, money from us. That was shut down because of pressures by certain political groups who felt that this was a place where rebellion was taking yeah. birth or there was, uh, you know... Uh, People were talking about things that they should not be talking about or you know, <laughs> causing unrest in society. So we need to close this venue down and they forced it, yeah, they, yeah. they forced it shut. So we do, as an improv community, we do feel that we have these pressures, not mm-hmm. because of what we do, but because we also take the opportunity in our scenes mm-hmm. to sometimes address issues that are happening. And also, we're not considered by by, the theatrical venues in Mumbai to be, you know, it's not traditional and classic theatre, so we cannot provide you with the space to perform. And uh, that forces us to be a little more uh, desperate for venues to perform at. Because if you don't perform, I mean, you can practice all you want, but if you don't perform, you won't get better at it. So, running around from one place to the other and uh, trying to find uh, venues that are more interested in uh, an improv show than a DJ playing <laughs> music all through the night. It's a little hard <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
0: That's um. Are, are there some venues that you have that have sort of become like uh, faithful to you, where you can go back to this? That you've performed here a few times, yeah. and uh, they like you, and you like them. And yes, so yes, there Is are... there a bit of a circuit because that's one of the interesting things? Uh, is that there's no there's no dedicated improv venue yeah. in uh, Mumbai or in yeah. India yeah. as a whole. And so that's one of the solutions, but there's there's other tricky parts to that. Yeah, so yeah. have you found places that you've kind of like, these like these few places are like the place that we yes,
1: trust? Yes, you know? we, we have had a few places like that. There was the Hive, which is the venue that got shut down. Oh, okay. Um, there's the Cuckoo Club run by the same people. <laughs> I love that <laughs> The Cuckoo Club, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, they're supportive, but again, uh, one thing for... Um, most of these venues is that rents are extremely high in mumbai it's it's a very cutthroat city people who own the l- locations demand really high rents and are uh, very aggressive about getting that rent so for some for some of the, some of the venues that have supported us after a point of time sometimes it's it's for them it becomes listen it's all about the numbers we love you guys but we need to make rent you know mm-hmm. and if there is not a constant callback of people then we can't allow or we can't have you perform in our venue on a weekly basis so it's about how many ticket sales that you have so we do suffer because of that uh, sometimes but the the venues like there was the, the, the place where we started it was called Zenzi uh, it was called the Zenzi bar and restaurant they till the day that uh, when you got sold out someone bought it and they turned it into another restaurant those people never turned us away they never said no they never asked us why did you have 10 people in the audience they never came to us and said hey you had a hundred people in the audience give us more money we were very lucky to find people like those when we started out because we didn't know where it was going it was sad for us when when that when you shut down but then we found someplace else now we found another place it, 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 there are com- there are venues that are supportive of us doing improv or sometimes just doing experimental work. Like we did a show where we spoke in pure Hindi, right? And Bombay is a cosmopolitan city. There are I'd say about 04 percent of the population would speak pure Hindi, but the rest of the pop like they speak variations of Hindi. But yes, when you go sir. pure Hindi, it's hard for them to understand. So we experimented with that and we decided to do three shows of that and in the first show we had a, we had a, a full house but because half the audience didn't understand what we were doing the second show we had like 20 people oh. because the word of mouth got around like well, we had fun doing it the people who understood it had a lot of fun watching it but for some of the others they were like ah, we didn't understand yeah. we didn't understand what the hell was going on so, so that, that affected us but the venue never turned to us and said, hey, uh, you know what, yeah. don't do this. It was our call at the end of the day that, we, we, you know what, we're not going to do this anymore. It was an experiment. Well, it was an experiment. Yeah. And uh, the, the venue was okay with us doing that. So yeah, we, we're getting, some venues are interested and some venues are really supportive. There is, uh, there is a, the, 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 there used to be the comedy store in Mumbai, which is now the Canvas Laugh Club. Uh, initially, it was very supportive of all of these things. Uh, then it became a company that was all about the numbers. Okay. All about the numbers. Yeah. Are you pulling in the crowds or not? If you're not pulling in the crowds, you might be the best. We don't want you. So yeah. over there, some of our relationships kind of got, got sour. Say.
0: I'm interested. There's a challenge in improv where in scenes, especially in, uh, in a scene you might start navigating into a politically charged topic and if you're trying to be fully present and in the moment it feels disingenuous. It doesn't feel like you're doing the right thing when you try to force yourself away from hmm. them. And th- there's no way to know when that's going to happen. Are there ways that you deal with that, or do you just go for it, or is that because you have also a room full of people that you don't know? So yeah. there's there's that judgment element. There's like, oh, what if the wrong person is in the audience at the time and one they hear one thing and then, oh no, like it gets to it goes up through the chain and gets to someone who you know might. Be no, we've had
1: that happen to us. Oh once. wow. We had that happen to us once in, uh, we were doing a a short form show. And for some reason, I think, I I think we had just gotten over some like city elections or council elections or something. Every suggestion that we got was with regards to the political party that had come into power. And... We tried to avoid it, navigate around it, try and go for... But, you know, we had moments where people started just chanting the name of the party because they were like, do a scene on them, do a scene on them. And, and like, we can't avoid, we can't, yeah. you know, not do anything. So we did a show, we, the audience loved it. And sometimes you just like, you're like, okay, you want this, all right, ladies and gentlemen, you want us to do a scene on them, here we go and we, we go all out at it. And yes. uh, we did it. And the next time We wanted to do A short form show The venue uh, emailed us saying You know what guys It's yeah. never happened Before this But The police And the censor Board wants to Are saying that You can only perform If you get a certificate From them So you need to send In a script Which I mentioned earlier. Like uh, It's a short form show yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean <laughs> There are like Games it's that like, are going To last a minute Or yeah. two And how the hell Do we like Give you a script About yeah. it and there was a lot of back and forth and we had to, i me and another person, we had to go to the police station, talk to the cops. Like, yeah. I had to explain to them what improv is. Incidentally, in that moment, when I had to go and talk to the cops, I found out the Hindi word for improvisation. It's called ashurachna. I didn't know what it was. I always call it improv, but I, because I had to explain it to the police inspector, I learned the Hindi translation of uh, improv. Yeah. And we had to explain to him... And he ultimately agreed with, tell us what you what your games are going to be, describe us. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And when we finished that, we submitted those papers And When we were given the certificate to finally perform again, uh, one of the standing instructions was, you will not talk about the political party. You will not do a scene about the political party. For us, it was a scary moment. Yeah, that's because f- that's the you know the first time you realize that there are eyes on you. And we had to go back and talk to, you know, we talked to the people in the company and the people who were performing and told them like, guys, there are people watching. So kind of avoid all of that, but we'll find a way of navigating through that. And it took us about a good five, six months to find a way of addressing the issue without naming it.
0: I see. Yeah.
1: And a lot of that uh, in that was... For me personally, the way I approached it was uh, from the comedy of Mel Brooks. The way okay. he did you know, his films or the okay. way he made fun of Nazi Germany or you know, yeah. he made uh, fun through of oppressive societies. Metaphor, through, through metaphor. Through metaphor. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, um, there's. I, I remember seeing this movie many, many, many years ago. I don't remember its name anymore. It was about a, a Jewish clown company. during the second world war caught in Germany and they've been hired by the Gestapo to perform for Hitler and they've been hiding their names because they're known as Gonzo and you know Mm -hmm. whatever the clown names are no one knows that they're Jewish but they take that performance as their moment to escape like they escape in front of Hitler but they do a full performance where they make fun of the Nazis and they make fun of Hitler. But it's done in that manner where we're not talking about your politicalness, yeah. we're talking about this. So we took that as an inspiration for ourselves where if we're talking about a you know, particular issue that is important or is being talked about in society right now, how can we turn that into um, something else? Like for, for, I mean, from the top of my head, if some, someone was to say, So, Mumbai has gone through this uh, Maharashtra, the state that Mumbai is in, has gone through this beef ban. And beef as a delicacy or a food item came through the the settlers who came to Maharashtra. Like, you know, the Portuguese and the the French. When they moved to places like Goa and Mumbai, they brought beef dishes with them. And suddenly now beef is banned in Maharashtra because the the Hindu party is in power. and Hindus consider the cow sacred, so you cannot eat the cow so ban beef When that happened We knew that You know Everyone will want to talk about Beef ban Beef ban mm-hmm. Beef ban Beef ban mm-hmm. But our scenes became about Banning other stuff Like for example You're banned From standing under a fan When the the, the day is hot <laughs> yeah. Or you're banned from drinking um, ice cold water. Or if it's cold, then you're banned from wearing two sweaters at one time. Yeah,
0: that's amazing because you're both making a political statement and presenting a really funny idea. Yeah. it's yeah. like it, yeah. it feeds into both. That's that's a very particular line to have to walk, yeah. though, yeah, yeah, yeah. because that's you're talking about earlier. Really comedy dispels fear, and I re- I believe that wholeheartedly also. But when you have the eyes on you, it's how do we continue to dispel this fear? How do we continue to to say what we want to these yeah, people yeah, yeah, yeah. without having the hand of the law come down and, and crush us? That's an ongoing battle currently, mm-hmm, right? That's mm-hmm, still mm-hmm. probably to this day. When you go back to Mumbai, it's yeah. it's every show. I'm I'm assuming every show. It's at least kind of on your
1: mind. Yes, yes yeah, yes, yes. because we know that when when we ask one of the questions we ask during our shows is. Can you give us a suggestion for uh, something that's been on your mind and it's bothering you? They're going to say something that is (laughs) happening at that moment in society. And we're like, oh... Now, unless it's really awful. Like, sometimes we get... uh, Can we get an occupation? Suicide bomber. And it's like, you know what? I know what you want. We understand what you want. You're not a bad person, but what you're wanting is not right no. you want us to make fun of muslims you want exactly. us to you know make fun of people who are oppressed we're not going to do that
0: yeah
1: but if someone says you know what women are being bought and sold in uh, india uh, and it's all under the guise of arranged marriage yeah that's something we can talk about yeah. that is something we actually do want to talk about we want to do a scene about that and uh, we don't actually want to say arranged marriage is bad because you know there are a lot of people in the audience probably who've been arranged marriage and they're happy or believe in that. We're going to turn it into arranged uh, tea drinking party. Something like that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like people is. are forced to come and meet every day at 4 o'clock and drink tea, even if you don't like me. Yeah. And <laughs> we drink tea together. So we'll do something like that, right? Sometimes it does affect the performers. Like, uh, after our shows, when we have a feedback session or we talk over drinks later on, some people, uh, some, some performers feel that you know we're deliberately avoiding saying something and over there for me personally being uh, say the artistic director or managing the company for me it becomes a tricky situation in the sense I understand what they want but I cannot also use my position to commit the other 12 or 14 performers of the company towards someone's cause which might get them you know arrested or might get them Uh, ...looked at by authorities and stuff like that. So then there's no improv. And then there's no improv. So it becomes a tricky situation. And for me, it's a great moment when someone does that... ...though it's a tricky situation... ...because then I get to know a little bit more... ...about this guy I'm performing with... ...or this girl that Mm -hmm. I'm performing with. Oh, Okay, you have deeper thoughts about this. Let's talk about it. How can you take your thoughts... ...instead of screaming from the rooftops... ...how can you turn that into art? How, How can you turn that into performance... Because I've always looked as at theatre or you know a live performance as the best means of protest without actually being, I think it's called pedagogic.
0: You're like teaching.
1: Yeah, you know, instead of just like, yeah. non just screaming at the audience exactly. and trying to like, teach them like something. Like preaching almost. Yeah, exactly. Leave them with the thought, or maybe have uh, have a performance which you know makes them start yeah. thinking about what you want. Yeah, to just think. present the idea. Yeah, that just that present is. the idea. Leave it over there and then yeah. move ahead. So it's a little uh, it's a little tricky in the sense that then it requires you to have you know a lot of i've done a lot of homework mm-hmm. or understand how to con- you know convert these things into metaphors or ideas or situations that you can play and how much can you reveal and hold back so it's it's fun to see when people try that out and see since i've been you know managing the company and being uh, you know sharing artistic responsibilities with adam I see so many shows where I don't perform. I just stay at the back of the house and be like, okay, this guy's doing that, and that guy's doing that, and that came out, or that girl's, you know, uh, feeling this way. How can I, you know, talk to them later on and say, hey, you know what, I saw that. Maybe you should work on it. Maybe you should think about it. Maybe you should turn it into a performance of your own. Hmm. So, in that sense. So,
0: so are you, you're the primary note giver, essentially? Right, now, yes. Okay. It's interesting because I'm assuming you get a lot of new improvisers coming through. So yeah. how do you approach the act of giving uh, a note to someone? Do you? I, I know some people believe that uh, you shouldn't give a note to somebody unless they come to you and ask for it. Do you believe that? I mean, I guess you're under the being the artistic director. I think you have a little bit more authority to just give someone a note. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, what is your process for approaching an improviser to give a note to them?
1: I nev- like I said, I never went to acting school. I always worked with uh, theatre companies, started out from, you know, sweeping the stage, practice rehearsal halls, floors, to making food and tea for everyone who was practicing and you mm-hmm. know, going through their lines, running through their lines, to, you know, just lifting the sets and removing them after the shows were done, to getting on stage, so on and so forth. It was a very hands-on experience in the sense the. What you're learning, you're doing at the same time. And if you mess it up, it's you are held accountable. It's not like theater school where if you mess it up, someone will be like, okay, you have next semester to make up for you. Yeah. Here, I'm getting paid some, some money. Someone else's financial investment in the project is dependent on what I'm doing. So it was a very hands-on learning experience. And how that translates into the way I work with people in the improv group is that for well, the people that I perform with, who are part of improv comedy Mumbai, I don't care if they do, they want a note or not. If I feel something, I'll hunt them down and I'll talk to them. I'll see them in a party or, you know, at a bar afterwards, after the show, or in the next rehearsal, I'll like, you know what, I want to talk to you about something. I saw this happen in your last performance. I want you to know about this. Or, like, for example, there's a guy in our company who, who would get bogged down by a, a rowdy crowd. And uh, he would feel nervous about going in front of an, a crowd that's already, you know, a few drinks down mm-hmm. and, are, you know, in a cheering, you know, screaming mood or ho- yeah. hooting and howling. So I noticed that that was af- affecting his performance for over many shows and he wasn't uh, performing to the best of his potential. So one day I went to his work and I told him, like, you know what, sometimes you just have to go on stage with fuck it. Yeah. You know, fuck this shit. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm using that language No, 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 it's I'm fine, fine. Sorry. It's fine totally, so totally acceptable Sometimes you just have to like You might be the, the, the most artistic person in the world You might have all these thoughts And you might have all this Sometimes you just have to go Fuck it Get on stage And assume the higher status than the audience You know, if you, you allow them to become the higher status Then they're going to push you down They're going to prevent you from achieving your best so, just go on stage and, and I literally told him like when you are standing in the wings, just really when, you know, the, the the MC is hyping the people up, literally let out a scream of oh, fuck it and then yeah. go on stage. So, he does that. He still does that now. Wow. And it's been about a year and a half and it's really helped his performance. It's really given him that, like, he now can have back and forth with people who are, you know, trying to heckle. Like, he can shut yeah. them down now yeah. because of this. Obviously, he's taken it further with his own stuff but, Like, he does come to me and say, you know, that time when you said I still do it. I'm like, yeah, I think. I mean, you should. I do it myself sometimes. So for people that I work with, people who are part of our company, I seek them out and I go like, listen, dude, I think you should be working on this right now. Don't come to rehearsal tomorrow. Go read about this. Go, you know, study about this. Why aren't you watching this movie? Or why aren't you, you know, following this person? Or... Why aren't you discovering this? Is is there something in your personal life that is affecting you, that is preventing you from being open on stage? Address it. Do you, you want to talk to anyone about it? you want to talk to me? Don't want to talk to me? you want to talk to that person? At least go and talk to someone. So I'm uh, with the people that I work with, I'm a little that way. But for people who are students or people who are uh, part of other companies, unless they ask me... I'm not going to force my opinions on you because I don't know what your journey is. I I, yes. I only see you on stage, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. I don't see you in rehearsal, so I don't know what you're going through. I can, you know, from my limited experience of improv, I can tell you. Okay, these are the things that you could possibly do, or maybe these are the things that you can explore in your shows. Uh, uh, outside of you know what, just have fun on stage. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's, boils down that's what boils down to it. Like if <laughs> someone's not having fun on stage, then there's no point of giving them any notes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Other than the note, have fun on stage. Yeah. Like there are, there are some people, there's a, there's a company that uh, started out recently, like last year, there are some of our students. After their first or second performance, I think they came to me and two of them came to me and they asked me like, what should we do? I said, ah, practice and have fun. It's like, What do you mean have fun? Because you guys are, you're a little too bogged down by, you know, I have to, yes, and, and I have to create crow. Just, you know, I'm, you're in yeah, your head, yeah, you're, you're, yeah. You're, you're, you're stiff on stage. Just have fun. Like all of that is practice it so that all these things become second nature, that they are there in your mind, but they're not the only things in your mind you're on stage someone's saying something you're not listening to them you're too busy thinking have I established that person's name oh yeah. no I have not established that person's name I have to do that oh did I establish a relationship I there's someone talking to you listen to that yeah. person it's you know?
0: it's the same note as fuck it actually yeah it's, exactly it's like I believe you have to learn everything and then once you get on stage forget it for it, it's it's there trust yourself it's there exactly you know how to do it exactly and it's Fuck it! I loved. I love these people. I love being on stage, like with these people. Yeah, exactly. It's really, I've heard the advice that you should stop. the t- The moment you should stop doing improv is when it's not fun anymore. Yes, yeah, exactly. yeah, And yeah. I've I've met a lot of people who get very stressed out about
1: improv. No, like, I got stressed out about improv. I have too. <laughs> yeah, I took an entire year off. I went and did other stuff. I went and did workshops. Mm-hmm. I, you know, reconnected with my theatrical roots. Uh, met people. Did a play. Went off traveling, you know, stayed in Europe for three months. Then after that entire thing was done, when I came back, I was a lot more interested in, you know, I've gathered all this experience because it's your experience that goes on stage in your scene work. I was like, now I've got all this experience. And now when I got on stage, I was having fun. So,
0: How does Improv Comedy Mumbai, what sort of relationship does Improv Comedy Mumbai have to to the other independent teams in
1: Mumbai? Um, the relationships we have with them is that uh, most of them are our students. They've gone through our educational program or something. If if we can, in a manner of helping them, if we can perform with them, like a theatre sports match, mm-hmm. or uh, we like we organize these mashups, we call them, which is like a jam, an improv jam. We invite them there, and we know about the audience that's come there. We mention that these people are there. They're doing. They have a company and. If they have an upcoming show We give them like A minute or two To plug their shows in oh, cool. To our our audiences They can always come to us And talk to about Hey we are trying to do this We want to do that Or how does that game work Or what can we do next Now that we are You know doing these these things So our doors are always open to For them to come and talk to us If they want someone From our company To come and perform with them Like we have A couple of our company members Moved to another city And over there They started their own group so when they were starting out, they got in touch with us and said, "Hey, could some people come and just perform with us?" Because, yes, we were in your company, but we always had someone telling us what to do, or you know, conducting our rehearsals or working on concepts of improv. But now we're here; uh, we don't know how to go about it. Like we've tried practicing, but it makes no sense. So we sent people down. Like I went down once, uh, did a three-day workshop with them about, okay. You guys, you have this skill. You have that skill. You do this. I've seen you guys do these these, these things. Maybe you, what you should be focusing on is how to find a manner of, you know, working as a team. Or someone just came in and like, I can't teach you shit. I'm going to be performing with you. Yeah. So that guy just did a show with him. And they were able to, you know, make a small, take a small step into the live entertainment community. And in that's city, it. Yeah. yeah. So we are able to do that. Uh, we also like we try to send some, some members from our company every year to a festival so when they go there if they make contacts with people um, all the people from all across the world are very welcome to come meet us yeah they can come they they want to jam with us great they want to teach us even better you know when and when they do teach us we open the thing to we tell the people okay like this guy is coming he is good at this this is what he comes from this is the company he comes from he's been doing for this he's been doing improv for so many years He's conducting a workshop these are the charges if you want to come we're paying it because he's coming to meet us we're going to pay pay you know do all of that stuff if you want to come and learn come and sometimes they do come sometimes they invite them to their uh, companies like there was recently i think she was from sweden um hazel hazel suleyman uh, Suleiman sul, 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 i'm salaman no, no, no. I, okay, I'm okay. messing up her surname. Her yeah, so. name was Hazel. Okay. And uh, she, she uh, got in touch with us and she's you know she teaches character improv. So And she's from Sweden and we are like, okay, we're, we would love to have you come. She came and you know, did like two days of workshops with us. We introduced her on Facebook and through email to all the other companies. And she got invited by a company in Bangalore. She went there and it's met amazing, them. Yeah. and she did like a four day workshop with them. We were w- because we had such short notice we were only able to organize two days, but they had a longer time so she, they organized like a four day thing with them. A lot of the other companies don't have these contacts because they don't get a chance to travel to festivals and all. So when we do make contact with someone or someone feels interested or you know uh, welcome enough to like come to India, it's like, come. All these people, look, yeah. look, <laughs> go, go, let's teach them, or you know, let's work with them. So one of our guys, his name's Avinash, he got together with a couple of uh, improvisers from other companies and some stand-up comedians, and they together organized the first improv jam. There had never been an improv jam before that. It fizzled out because you know people got busy with their own stuff. But that inspired us to you know, okay, let's just keep this thing going and let's do a mashup and do our thing. So all our students, all all the companies are, uh, are allowed to come into that mashup. We're uh, currently in the process of getting together a show format which is going to be like improv band night. Like but music? Not, people, not music, no, sorry. Okay. That's, that's the, that's the, I don't know what to call it. Uh, improv group night or improv company night where uh, it'll be a two-hour show where every company that's you know doing improv We'll get like a half an hour set I see, I see And you can come and do your thing You want to do short form? Go ahead and do short form You also want to do short form? Go ahead and do short form Here a company might do a, a two-man show Or here someone might do a genre-based thing yeah. So it's just going to be like all four companies Working together And you do your bit for half an hour We'll move on to the next one Half an hour, half an hour, half an hour like that. Other than that, whenever someone asks us Like we used to organize them for some time uh, We're going to go back to them We used to do these uh, playgrounds where people could just come and whatever is being, you know, worked on that day, they could work on it. There's a guy who's working on developing narrative. It's like a drop-in class, mm-hmm. maybe, you want to call it? Yeah, yeah we that's, don't, we that's call the it exact. exact. Yeah, yeah we yeah, don't that. call it a drop-in class, we just call it the playground, as in like, yeah, we're doing something like yeah. this today, yeah. and if you're interested, come. And it's going to be three to four hours. Maybe you get something, maybe you want to come for the next one. Yeah. So on and so forth. So a lot of people through these playgrounds, through these mashups, have found people that they've started working with. Like, oh, I saw you on stage and I really liked what you were doing. So, you know, let's develop something of our own to do an improv show. So, yeah, in that way. And also, like, some of these uh, open mic nights, we started out, uh, when we started out as a company, we would do the opening set for, uh, you know, stand-up mic nights, open mic Mm -hmm. nights. We would do, like, 15 to 20 minutes. Before the stand-ups go. Before the stand-ups go. So that way we, like got in touch with some really good stand-ups and we, yeah. you know, talked to them, we talked to them st- still on a regular basis and if they're o- okay to someone opening their standup night, they're like, okay, here's a, here's a couple of people, give them five minutes, give them ten minutes, let them, on, on their own, they're unable to gather a large group of people, on their own, a venue will not trust them to have a f- sold-out show but they should get you know the opportunity to perform in front of a live audience. So, could do you mind if they open your open mic night with like a five to ten minute set? So that is also how we run with the other companies. Are <coughs> the
0: improv and stand-up communities, they're, they're, I'm assuming, relatively separate, but there's a bit of an overlap? Yeah. Do you do, so you do, would you say you regularly do shows with stand-up comedians?
1: Or? We used to, like I now don't do them anymore. When we started out in 2009, I would say we were still opening, we were still doing the opening set of open mic nights till about 2012 and after that I think we got a little more involved in things that we wanted to do and you know yeah. things like that and recently it started up again because those people who we opened for are still friends. Those people that you know used to come and you know try their own bits. Or we're doing their open, you know, open mic for the first time Some of them have become you know established stand-ups yes, yeah. So they know us, we know them Whenever we meet, we're like, hey well. So we have a bit of the liberty to ask them Listen, you're doing a show, is there a possibility for some people? Like for our company also There are people who've done it for, you know, eight years But there are people who've just joined the company Yes. And they don't necessarily get so many opportunities to get on stage Because Unless one of the experienced improviser is busy, they don't step in to replace them. But they need the experience of performing in front of a live audience. That will, if they're not good enough, will boo them, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's, and that's that, a huge learning experience. That doesn't happen here, but that's, like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying they boo them. Yeah, I'm but not, but, you'll feel but the, it, you But know. when you do something and the, the deathly silence in the audience is. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is it uh, enough of a boo you know, <laughs> <laughs> for people to like think, shit, what's going on? Uh, and it's it's very, very, like I, I feel uh, it's very important for any live uh, performer to once in a while bomb on stage. Like oh, yeah. completely bomb on stage. Oh, yeah. We send out the, the, the newer recruits, uh, if you want to call them recruits, yeah. newer, mem- newer members of the company to go and do open mics. And do an opening set. Just go and do it for 10 minutes. And that's when people are getting uh, drunk. And that's when people are, you know, chit-chatting. And that's when people are walking in. So get their attention. You know, make them stop and take notice. If you can achieve that, then you're well on your way to becoming a good life performer. If you can't achieve that, then what is it that it's blocking? We're not saying, oh, you didn't achieve it? Get off. Fuck off. You're not part of the company. Yeah. But how can we help you? Do do you need to work on your voice? Do You need to work on... Your improv skills? Do you need to work on your, you know, performance ability? What is it that you need that we can help you?
0: You've mentioned blocks a couple times. Like, what's blocking you? And I, yeah. I think every improviser, no matter how good, still has something that is blocking them. And it's about removing as many as possible. And just, it's it's the knowing that you know <clears throat> it and then forgetting yeah. all about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, what would you say, in your experience, has been the most prevalent uh block that you've experienced with improvisers in Mumbai or just in general?
1: I think the biggest block I have seen in people who've been been improvising in Mumbai is the question that runs in their head that prevents them a lot of the times is, can I say that? Can I do that? And also the the, the second biggest fear I think is, oh shit, I've got this great idea, but I don't know how to execute it. So I'm not going to do it. So those are the two blocks I've constantly, you know, been running into when I've been talking to improvisers. Is can I say that will will it be fine? And my answer to some people, like whenever I see that block in them, is that uh, as long as it's not hurting someone, someone yep. sense not sense someone's sensibility because sen- sensibilities can matter. As long as it's not hu- hurting someone f- directly, yes, or it's making fun of a uh, you know. Suppressed community. Yes, yeah, exactly. As long as you're not doing that, you can say whatever the hell you want. And what's the worst that's gonna happen? Someone's just gonna go, ooh. Yeah, yeah, my sensibility. Yeah. Oh, my (laughs) sensibilities. You know, you cannot appease everyone's sensibility. Yeah. That's not possible. So don't worry about what you're saying. Yeah. Just make sure that you're not making fun of someone who's uh, fat, or you're not making fun of someone who's handicapped, or you're not. Yes. You know. Making fun of someone who's um, maybe no, I mean, there's there's a there's a dark-skinned person. Don't make yeah. fun of them. Or or the suicide. Bomber. Yeah, don't exactly. Don't make fun people. of suicide. Yeah. like you will not make fun of suicide bombers. Make fun of suicide bombers. But if, if that person's just Muslim, I- exactly. Don't, don't do that because be, they've they've been suicide bombers in the world's history who are not always Muslim. Mm-hmm. Like you know, there was a time in India where. Sardar community, the Sikh community, was the terrorists. After yeah. them it was the Muslims. Before the uh, Sikh community it was the people the, the, the scheduled caste and the scheduled tribes in India who mm. were considered terrorists because they had become Naxalites So they were fighting against oppression. They were considered terrorists by the government. So our concept of who's terrorist is always what the government tells us. It's not what we think. <laughs> yeah. So as For long it. as you make you go ahead and make fun of the, the, the suicide bomber just don't let it always be a Muslim. You're making fun of the, the yeah.
0: acts, act, not the community that is yeah, suppressed. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you you also mentioned the how do I execute this exactly?
1: Idea. Yeah. So that is uh, a lot of people are not necessarily very physically don't they don't have a lot of physical prowess when they get up on stage. So they're like, oh, I thought of you know doing like a whole cat burglar scene where he the cat burglar walks over banisters and then you know rappels down walls and then you goes through laser beams and on. Oh, but I was so scared of, how would I do it? My advice to them usually is like, listen, just make some shit up, right? <laughs> yeah. Jump around. Maybe that's what the cat burglar does. Yeah. Because the people would much rather see you try and fail yeah. than avoid. Like the audience is there for you to see these things. For some of our company's performers, I whenever I faced someone with that, uh, with that block in their head, I do talk to them, but after a point of time, whenever I perform with them, I deliberately put them in situations yeah, yes. where they're forced to. Like, I'll, I'll stand there on stage going, no, go through that laser beam, and the audience yeah. enjoys it, because they see, ah, this guy was scared, and uh, now he's being forced to do it. So, whatever, and, and then when they make shit up, and the audience applauds, when they come back off stage, like, okay, now I get what you're saying, or I now know what we need to do, and stuff like that. Uh, sometimes I feel the same way with myself. Like there's these. Sometimes we have scenes where someone um, says an offer of, "Oh, we're on roller coaster," and I'm like, "Oh shit, we have to do so many things for a roller coaster. It's gonna be tiring. We've gotta do a one-hour show after that." But there are other people who recognize that in me, and then they force me to do it. So it's just it's 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 about getting people to. Address it, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, accept the fact that you have a block and then that it can be broken. If you don't accept it if everything's like no, everything's fine. Nothing will, you know, change. And I think improv is all about the change. The, ch- the yeah, change it's, of the it's, it's an inherently changing art yeah.
0: form. I had a teacher, mm-hmm. uh, one time who was very adamant about if you do an hour long improv show. You should feel tired at the end. You should feel physically tired, yeah. and if you're not feeling physically tired, then you weren't giving living on, in yeah. the seat. Yeah, you weren't giving it a hundred percent because yeah, that's um, yeah, yeah. if you come on stage and you're doing a character that's squatting down low, hmm. uh, that hurts your legs after about a minute. But if the scene goes for four minutes, you better be that character. Yeah, the whole you
1: gotta drop time. it. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so
0: that's um, I mean, it's it's just it's all about full commitment and like giving yourself to the form. Uh, that's not really a question. That's just me going on this like yeah, a no, little no, tangential no. thing. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about that we haven't touched upon?
1: I, I just want to say that um, whoever is listening to this and is an improviser and uh, wants to come to India, our doors are always open. That's just get in t- touch with us. Tell us what you want to do. Uh, we would love to have you there. We would love to meet you. We would love to, ha- like, even if catch up on a drink and just talk about improv because... Great improvisers. We talk about improv a lot.
0: <laughs> uh, case in
1: point. <laughs> <laughs> no, no so the, during the festival, like back in Vancouver also, a couple of... Uh, I like talking about improv, but sometimes i just like, uh, can we stop? Like, it's 24 hours, I don't want to talk about yeah. improv. 24 hours. And there, I found a few other people in the festival like, yeah, everyone's talking about improv. <laughs> Let's talk about food. Yeah. Okay, this burger is great. Yeah. You know what this burger reminds me? <clears throat> it reminds me of the scene. Ah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah it's right again. back in. And so <laughs> so uh, we love talking about improv. And if you're ever in India, please please do look us up. We're Improv Comedy Mumbai. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Check us out. Come visit us. We love everyone who comes down and meets us. We love. Indians need a reason to get you know, take a break from work. And go travel. So please do come out, come down. We'd love to meet you and see you guys. And thank you for having me here.
0: Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank Any you. other last plugs that you want to get in? Oh, yeah, I mean, you um, just gonna you, you very seamlessly transitioned into your own plugs, which is like you're a seasoned improviser for sure.
1: No, what? I yeah. have no plugs. No, <laughs> I would like people who who listen to your things to to your to your podcast not to uh, to recognize or realize that there's improv happening in India and uh, there are people. If nothing else, we're a global tribe. Oh yeah, We're a global oh, tribe. Yeah. So the minute you say, hey, I'm so-and-so and I'm coming down to Mumbai and I do improv, we'll be like, hey, family.
0: Yeah, exactly. Come,
1: come, 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 come. What are you doing so far away? Come meet us. And it's it's a really nice way of meeting people and making friends and stuff like that. So almost I just want them to come. And-
0: almost everyone I've ever met and the improv community who has
1: invested at
0: least a little bit of time in it has been a wonderful person to me yes has been yes. just so kind and gracious and and giving yeah, yeah it's like you you mentioned your doors are always open i mean i've gone i've toured up and down the coast and i've been around america and that's been true all the time yes. that's one of the things i love most about this community is that we're yeah. just like oh you're an improviser well yeah you have, you have room in my home you have yeah i mean if,
1: if if you if you know how to laugh and, uh, and you know how to make other people laugh without hurting someone yeah uh that's there is no way that you can be a bigot there's no way you can <laughs> yeah. be a racist because i mean the, the only way you can laugh or make people laugh is by laughing at yourself yeah and a bigot or a racist or whatever you want to call them they will never laugh at themselves for them they're, oh yeah. you're the perfect ones and nothing to, you can't make <laughs> fun of perfection no flaws I <laughs> have no so flaws I am flawless <laughs> so, so I mean uh, I think that's why we, uh, I think I, I, I've read about a few people whose perspective of life has changed like they grew up with the mentality of we're great and everyone else is horrible but they go into improv and they realize that it's all wrong and it's changed them and you know, they've gone on their own journeys and done yeah. their own stuff Which it's is phenomenal
0: Yeah, The basic tenets of improv are yeah. accepting And furthering, exactly. contributing to ideas yeah, exactly. like, and Once you <coughs> once you learn that on stage It's hard to not apply it into your own life yes. and then You sort of start taking yourself apart it's Like hey, when am I not doing this in life Exactly, that's
1: like it. I was talking to uh, Joe Bill uh, yeah. Last night
0: He's great, I'm going to get him on this podcast Awesome Yeah,
1: uh, He he, uh, he has some phenomenal
0: ideas Amazing the
1: talent, things he yeah. says and the way It's like someone's articulating your thoughts and you're like I felt I yeah yeah, I thought the same (laughs) thing (laughs) oh but you've just given it words so you've stolen my idea (laughs) yeah but he had like we were talking about the same thing that all across the world there are people who the minute you meet them and you realize that they're improvisers or you know you realize that there is a warmth to them and, and uh, uh, the, the, the idea of acceptance in improv transcends. you never know when it transcends into your own existence and your own reality that you as a person become more accepting, mm-hmm. uh, you never know it. And then suddenly one day you go like, Hey hey I, I, I was it was easy to talk to that person yeah. or, you know going to that party and meet people or, yeah. or when someone came and asked me about something I didn't have to be grumpy or anything yeah, it's like, like
0: that would have bothered me two yeah. years ago and suddenly now. I'm
1: like okay with it like what the hell happened yeah. and then you realize oh improv yeah that's I think I, I love the the, the I, I I don't know if it's a show or if it's a group here fit uh, they've been uh, you know uh, talking about the tribe of yes oh yes the tribe I, called yes the tribe called yes yeah. i love that idea yeah. i love just that name yeah it's, it's like wow and because it is true it is um, yeah. you know, a global tribe which is you know slowly through these festivals and we you know these podcasts that you're yeah. doing they're coming together they're you know listening to each other talking to each other and some somewhere everyone is dealing with these issues that you talked about yeah, right? it's universal it's universal and, and how are we doing it and how someone else is doing it? like it's been very ins- uh, thought-provoking for me to talk to some of the people who are dealing with what's happening in america at the moment which is
0: it's difficult to deal it's with difficult it's to like deal i mean with. we have it's a much different variant of political turmoil but it's the same it's
1: it's 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 political turmoil that's been uh, it's been prevalent in almost a lot of countries uh, across the globe. Like you know, North Korea, India's faced yes, it, Pakistan's yeah. faced it, no, North Korea faced it, uh, Vietnam faced it. There have been places in Africa that have faced this yes. all the time. Right now, I think more than you know, looking at what's going on in America as look, America finally you know has yeah. this thing shit happening. For me, it's more like it is. It, it is so amazing to see how people are. Able to fight it, uh, yes, are able yeah. to protest against it because mm-hmm. the same kind of protests might be violently suppressed in a, uh, in another country. Yes, but yeah, here, people are you know doing it and taking it.
0: That's a yeah. That's a huge privilege that we have. Yeah, yeah it's
1: big not. Big a, big. I again, it's. I this is something I. I don't know. I, I don't think it's a privilege. Oh, I think, okay. yeah. I think it's more like you've been preparing yeah. for this <laughs> yes. because uh, a lot of uh, rebellions or protest uh, fights across the world they've never had the opportunity of knowing what's what's happening or yeah. knowing how to fight it or knowing how to deal with this uh, suppressive dictator who has like complete control of your life Just, we need to do something and yeah. we want to do something and it's always usually turned violent yeah. and it's been horribly violent in some countries yes, like yes. the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia was it's known. Yeah. Pol Pot is known for what he did. Yeah, I think because of all of this, the people right now who are dealing with what's the, the, the political turmoil happening in America, the people who are in it, they've been preparing for it, you know, in a manner of speaking, that American freedom, I don't think, has been about having the ability to have guns and have jumbo sizes of Coca-Cola from <laughs> a Burger King. Yeah. No, that's not American freedom. No. American freedom has been the ability to have conversations about these things learn more talk to more people you have people from all across the world come here and tell them their own life's experiences so that you're better prepared and you have the ability to understand it from yeah, a, a perspective i think that's what american freedom is and it's manifesting itself right now it's being tested it's yes. it's not had an opportunity to Show itself? It's
0: kind of been, it's been almost it's, I mean, it's swept been, under the rug. It's
1: been a concept. American yeah. freedom. America is the yeah. land of the free. Yeah. But well, what do you mean? It's not. It's not freeing to you know have a car. It's not freeing yeah. to be like, oh, I have so much money and I go yeah. skiing in Aspen and all that. That's not freedom. I think that's just that's just life. Yeah. Freedom is having people in a bar talk about what's going on you know yeah. and no one being like hey i heard you talking about yeah. that. it's not like uh, cold war russia or it's not like china mm-hmm. right now or something it's the ability to be able to openly talk about it on the streets with people in a mass, massive, massive yeah. you know gathering of people and have you know proactive things happen yeah so. be genuine be yes
0: 100 percent genuine the whole entire time which yeah. i think is i think there's a there's a bit of a uh, I'm hoping that there's a bit of a cognitive shift towards that. I've definitely, and I have a limited perspective because it's only the people that I encounter. But there's been a lot of people in my life who've been focusing on be, trying to be 100% genuine all the time. Yeah. I hope that's I hope that's where we're going because that's yeah. When everyone's fully genuine and you have a conversation, you can only learn. Yes. You can only yes. learn about. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. And that's uh, that's the that's the it's a struggle of living. That's yeah. like a it's uh, yeah, improv got Our <laughs> improv talk fizzled into a <laughs> Life Talk, which yeah, is great, which is great. great. That's improv. Yeah, that is improv. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, this is like conversations are improv, but talking yeah. is improv. It's just, uh, it feeds into itself. Yes, um, it all right, I think that's an amazing place to Thank end. you so much, Jacob, yeah, for having me. Thank you. Uh, you can find out more about the podcast on jacobalexanderferg.com. Uh, Naveen, it's been absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, brother.